It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one. Four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, January twenty first, two thousand and ten. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Welcome back to the program after being gone last week. Thank you, Jacob. Uh, it's great to be here, and we look forward to a good discussion, necessary discussion on the virtual Bible study tonight. All right. We're, we're a little behind schedule. We're way behind schedule tonight. And uh, for those of you who are still with us, we appreciate you staying with us tonight. We've had technical difficulties Galore. I think people probably get tired of hearing us talk about that. We get tired of doing it, but and hopefully on the podcast version, you're listening to us in the podcast. Uh, you don't you don't hear those problems, but uh, we're going to work through them. We're going to get rid of those. We've got to one way or the other. If it requires a, a computer burning, I think we're going to do that. Tonight. You know that the the, uh, the new converts in the city of Ephesus burned their books that taught witchcraft and sorcery. Well, uh, is that some, what we need to do? To this computer? I don't know. There's something going on with it. All right. We're going to talk tonight, Jacob, about a subject that you tried to talk about last week, but because of severe and critical uh, technical problems, for the first time in over five years, we weren't able to get a virtual Bible study out there for people to listen to. So we're going to talk about it again tonight. So we're going to try again tonight to talk about this subject because we believe it's a worthy subject and an important one, a necessary one. And so we want to let people uh, have a chance to comment the, the questions that we sent out earlier today to our update list, we always do that, as, as our listeners know. You can get on our update list by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Here are the questions we sent out, same as last week, because last week they we didn't get to cover them. Number one, list some things that would indicate that a person has an erroneous thinking in regards to earning salvation. In other words, even though we might deny believing that one can earn his salvation, what things might be in a person's thoughts or actions that demonstrate he really believes he has merited his salvation. So that's our first question. We want to talk about, in other words, I think most people will agree we can't earn our salvation. We're going to talk about that in a minute. The Bible plainly teaches that it's impossible for us to do anything whereby we would merit or earn our salvation. But what would be the indication that a person, even though they give lip service to that notion, actually they're doing some things, thinking some things, that would reveal they really do believe that that salvation is earned or merited. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Number two, what's the correct view of the relationship between faith and works? And then, in addition to that, how does grace factor into our salvation along with faith and works? And then finally, we want to especially deal with a passage that comes up a lot in these discussions. That's Second Corinthians. Excuse me. Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. We want to talk about that passage specifically tonight. So uh, if you haven't emailed us yet, uh, please uh, send us an email, and we'll be uh, uh, trying to get your emails into our discussion tonight. All right, the number calls 877-381-4567. The email address uses questions at collegeview.com. We're joining in the chat room with other listeners, and if you're in the chat room tonight, and if there are any blips in the audio or the video feed at any time, please let us know. Uh, so we can make correction to that. I think we started off a little bit silent there for the people who, who are on the other end of the video tonight, but uh, we've got it up and running. All right, Dad, we talk to other people about what we must do in order to be saved, and we tell people we must be baptized in order to be saved. They're quick to say that we believe in uh, earning our salvation, or we believe in a works-based salvation. To go to a passage like Titus chapter 3, verse 5, which very clearly says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. We, we agree that the Bible is very plain on the idea that we cannot earn or merit our salvation. The passage you just cited, Jacob, in Titus 3, verse 5 would be a good one. Uh, there are others. 2 Timothy 1, verse 9. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Uh, that would be another verse that teaches we can't work or earn our salvation. And, of course, the one that we want to talk about more specifically on the program tonight, it often comes up, 
Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So those passages are pretty clear, and it would be a huge mistake to deny the the truth of those statements. Those statements say we cannot be saved by our own works. But I think the stress that we want to put on here is that we're talking about a specific kind of works. We'll try to get into that as our as our study progresses tonight. But nobody can deny that we are in, incapable of earning our salvation through things that we do, through any number of things that we might add up or compile, works uh, by which we're trying to earn or merit our salvation, it's just impossible. Are we saved by works of righteousness? Well, the passage says that we are not, not uh, that not by works of righteousness. I believe that I believe that is up by works of our own righteousness, works by which we try to earn our salvation. All right, very clear though from the scriptures that we can't earn our salvation. What do you think about that? Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu.com. If we're going to say that, and if we're going to agree uh, with those who would say that, and we are saying agreeing that we can't earn our salvation, we've got some harmonizing then to do. Yeah, because we've got a pretty straight, apparent contradiction in James chapter 2, verse 24, when it says, You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Now that says that there's some kind of works that are involved. And so that gives us a, a real dilemma that we have to iron out. And I think, Jacob, in order to do that, probably we ought to maybe take our our questions in sort of reverse order tonight. Let's talk about this Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 passage, because I think it, it, it if we can understand that, then we can understand what... what may be a, a fairly complicated subject in some people's minds. All right, if you'd like to join in, 877-381-4567 is toll-free and the line is open, or send your emails to questions at collegeu.com. Our friend Pat down in Harvest, Alabama, sent in a chart that he has used in discussing this subject sometimes, and he compares it to the walls of Jericho. Jacob, can you explain what he's saying about that? Sure. Uh, you, he references several passages and puts them together to, in order to create a full picture here uh, of the argument that he wants to make. But uh, we remember the story of the walls of Jericho. Uh, they went up against the city of Jericho, uh, marched around it seven, uh, for seven days. On the seventh day, marched around seven times, blew their trumpets, and uh, we remember the story there. They, were, they didn't have to break out the axe, the pickaxes or the dynamite to get the walls to fall down. They just fell down. And uh, in Joshua chapter 6, verse 2, Joshua chapter 6, verse 2, uh, God basically says that he gave the walls, uh, that the walls were going to fall down by grace. In verse 2 of Joshua chapter 6, the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. Basically, uh, you could rephrase that and say God showed grace to the children of Israel. He gave them uh, the city. They didn't. Uh, they didn't knock the walls down themselves. God gave them the city and knocked the walls down for them. But uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, uh, it says that the walls of Jericho fell by faith. And by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. And so the walls fell by grace. They also fell through faith. But uh, we also know that the, the walls would not have fallen uh, if the children of Israel had not obeyed God and walked around uh, seven times, uh, seven okay. days, like he said. So it was a gift of God. It was by his grace. They didn't do anything to earn it. Uh, they had to have faith in what he told them to do, but they still had to do it. They, they had to obey or comply with his instructions. They had to do the walking around the walls of the city and so forth as right. they were instructed to do. So I think this is the right combination, the, the picture that we get in this in the case of the walls of Jericho. They had to believe in God. They had to believe God. Believe what He said. The falling of the walls of Jericho was a, a gift from Him. They didn't earn it. There wasn't anything. They they never they never laid one sledgehammer to the wall. They never. Uh, uh, they could ran one battering ram into the wall. They could probably still be walking around those walls today, and they'd be standing. Just right. walking around the walls is not going to cause them to fall. And so it was a gift. God gave them a gift when he gave them the city of Jericho. They had to believe him. He gave it to them, but they still had to do what he said to do. If be they obedient. Had, they had to be obedient. If they had not been obedient, if they had not complied and put forth the physical effort to walk around the walls of the city, the walls of Jericho would not have fallen down. Now, that application, I think, is very fitting to our situation. We have to believe God. Salvation is a, is a gift of God. It's, it's by grace. In other words, we'll never earn it. We'll never merit it. 
But that does not preclude the fact that we have to comply obediently doing what he told us to do. I've tried to use an illustration before, Jacob. If I told somebody, uh, uh, if, if you will come to my house tomorrow at 10 o'clock with a clown mask on, I'll give you $100. Okay. All right. Now, what would you have to do to get the $100? You'd have to come to my house and you'd have to be wearing a clown mask. But it, if, I, if you did that, in other words, you met the conditions that I put on it, you could, not, you could still not say that you had earned $100. There was, there's nothing in what you would do there that would constitute earning or deserving or meriting the $100. It'd still be a gift. And you would still tell people, Greg gave me $100. Right. You would not say... I earned $100 today. It would still be a gift, but it would be necessary. You'd have to, first of all, believe that I would do it. Right, that's faith. That's the faith. Then you would have to comply with the conditions. That's the obedience. And then you'd receive the gift. So you got faith, works of obedience, and a gift, grace. And that's what we're saying about our salvation. We do, you know, the, the stores do this when the, there's a grand opening. They, they advertise, we're having a free gift. But you've got to show up at the store. You've got to be the first 100 customers, perhaps. Or you've got to be there at a certain time. Or you've got to do something in order to comply with the conditions to get the free gift. Salvation is similar from God. He's given us uh, the opportunity for salvation. Uh, he has given us the instructions that we must comply with. And when we, through faith, comply with his instructions, he gives uh, salvation. It's a free gift. But we have not earned it. But he requires certain conditions. Exactly right. So I, I hope that that kind of answers the, the the third question we put out there about Ephesians 2.28 and the second question about faith and works and grace, faith and works. Let, let's talk a little bit more about Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. I think some of our email respondents have given us some thoughts along that. Um, Chris in Atlanta, Georgia says from, from Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, we cannot work our way to salvation by God's grace, we can be saved by faith, not works. Yes, baptism is necessary, but that is not a work. Verse 10 is very beautiful, in my opinion. It sums up this discussion nicely. We are saved by faith, but our whole purpose is to work for God after we receive his free gift. All right. Thank you, Chris. We appreciate that. Eric in Fayetteville, Tennessee says, The parable of the Pharisee and publican shows that... I'm sorry. Uh, no, I'm, 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 I've jumped ahead. We, we are still... We're going backwards, aren't we? Yeah, we're, we're doing that okay. last one All first. Right. Um let, let me let me read the verse here because I think if you look, at, I, I try to keep highlighted in my my text this this passage because it's so often referenced. But notice, by grace are we saved through faith, that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I think that last phrase there in verse nine is the key verse. The works that have nothing to do with our salvation are the works by which we might be able to boast or brag about our salvation. Right. No, look at me. I was baptized a hundred times. Mm-hmm. Or look at me. I gave ten thousand dollars to the church. Look at me. You know, uh, whatever. And and therefore suggesting that I've done something boast boast worthy. That I have something to brag about. That those kind of works have nothing to do in our salvation. And we need to understand it. So, but I, I actually think Ephesians two verses eight and nine explains itself. It's not of works lest any man should boast. The kind of works that a man could boast about. Those have nothing to do with salvation. But You can't works earn of, your salvation, in other words. That's right. Work, you can't. That's what we were just saying. You can't earn it. But that doesn't preclude the necessity of complying with the conditions of salvation that God has placed upon it. All right. Hopefully we've established the fact and uh, you understand where we're coming from tonight. You cannot earn your salvation. Scriptures teach very clearly that you're not saved by works of righteousness, that's lest any man should boast. Uh, so we're not saved by works of righteousness. We're not saved by earning our salvation, but we must be obedient. We must comply with the conditions that God has set forth. Now, hopefully... Let me, let me read an email real quick, Jacob, from Eric, because he does comment on this. You started to read his email, but uh, he says, uh, consider the example of Gideon. God drastically reduced his army from 32,000 to 300, quote, lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me, Judges 7, verse 2. Gideon and his 300 men defeated a vast army by faith, not by their own strength. It was God's doing. Gideon showed his faith by obeying God in the same way God doesn't want us to ever get to the idea that, quote, my own hand has saved me. 
We're saved by His grace. Faith saves when we, like Gideon, believe and trust in God and follow His instructions. I think that's another great example. We already used the example of the walls of Jericho, the, the battle of Gideon. This is a great example, too. They still had to go and fight, exactly right. but God had delivered them. Thank you, Eric. All right, so hopefully everyone would agree that we're not uh, earning our salvation. There's nothing that we can do in order to earn, merit, or deserve our salvation. We cannot do that. Clearly, the Scriptures teach that. But as quickly as we would accept that fact, I'm afraid, Dad, there may be some attitudes in our lives that uh, indicate maybe that we do think that we can earn our salvation. Maybe we don't realize how the attitudes actually portray that attitude, uh, maybe the ways that we think. We don't understand really uh, the implications so, uh, of the, what we're thinking. And we might be thinking that way, although we deny that we believe it. We, in, in actuality, we may actually be conducting ourselves in thought and action along the lines that we think we could be earning salvation. So we want to talk about we'll that. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Do you think that there are certain attitudes that we have that display the fact that we may, even though we don't realize it, believe that we're earning our salvation. We'll take a short break, and we'll continue the discussion, hopefully hearing from you on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Enjoying the Virtual Bible Study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. You just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College of Church of Christ. Hello, my name's Jeffrey Vernon. I'm 13, and this is the Virtual Bible Study. That was me five years ago. Now I'm 18, and I still love listening to the Virtual Bible Study. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The Virtual Bible Study continues. Welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study. We're glad you're part of it tonight, and we look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Join in the chat room with other listeners tonight as we talk about our salvation. It's clear from the scriptures we can't earn our salvation, yet eh, we may have some attitudes that uh, indicate that we may believe that we can't earn our salvation. Then to explain the concept that we want to get to tonight. Well, uh, we've got some, a comment? Uh, no, I, I was just uh, doing a little logging in here myself on the chat room. But uh, the, our, our thought is... And hopefully we established in our first segment there that you can't earn your salvation and nobody is trying to teach that, or nobody really believes that. We're accused of that sometimes, but we we deny that we believe a salvation, uh, a a merit-based salvation. We don't believe there's anything that we can do that would earn our own salvation. You've got to comply with conditions, but you're not earning. Exactly right. Uh, In fact, I had just a little more thought on that uh, again from Chris in Atlanta, what's the correct view of the relationship between faith and works? He says we are to have faith in, in what God tells us, knowing that we cannot earn salvation. If we have faith that God has told us the truth about salvation, then we should have faith that he has commanded us not to be spectators after receiving our salvation. We are commanded to work after we've received salvation, teach others, treat others a certain way, worship a certain way. This is not to earn salvation, but the result of receiving salvation And then about grace, he says, grace has been defined as unmerited favor or in my good old southern English, getting what we don't deserve or not getting what we do deserve. We have had faith. We can have faith that God has shown his grace by giving us a way of escape from hell without having to work for it. Taking this is a step taking this a step further and maybe a bit of a stretch. But God has shown us grace and that he can give increase, even though many times our attempts at work in sharing the gospel, showing beneficence and so forth are feeble or fall short. I may not be the best speaker or have all the answers or say the right thing to someone who is suffering, but God can use all these frail attempts for his glory anyway. We sow and God takes care of the rest. I love that. What if we had to worry about how to make that seed grow? That would be rough. God gave us the easy part. Sow the seed. He has made the hard part. He has done the hard part in making the seed grow. Okay, Chris is emphasizing there, especially the idea of some things we do after we receive our salvation, after we become Christians, after we're forgiven of our past sins, after we're added to the kingdom of Christ, his church. And I think he's he's right on all that. But I would say that 
the question is how how more so what about that initial salvation in christ jesus and and again that's not earned either that's still by god's grace a free gift all right wade says i knew a fellow that walked around and cursed all the time he told lots of dirty jokes but he would profess to be a christian there are probably some people that have the right view on salvation that do this as well but i would think they are much fewer there's a balance that exists between faith and faith and works. Faith is believing in something that you do not know the outcome. For instance, we are told that in the scriptures that if we are faithful unto death, we will receive a crown of righteousness, Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Of course, we don't know if that is the truth or not because we've never experienced it or talked to someone that has. We live in faith that we will receive that reward. What doesn't uh, make sense is those that profess to have faith in God and do not follow this rule. If in this situation, the words faithful and righteous are used interchangeably. A righteous person exhibits his faith by the works that he performs. James chapter 2, verse 18, but someone will, will, may well say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. So the question becomes, can I see Christ living in you by the way you live your life? If you live a righteous life or an obedient life, I will uh, be able to see Christ living in you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9 says, Not as a result of works, so that no, man, no one may boast, so in other words, the works that he is talking about here is works that we could be bo- boast in doing. For instance, if I become a millionaire, I may be able to boast. But if I was a humble, obedient servant, I would not. Being obedient would not fall under boastful works. There is nothing exciting about being obedient. Okay. So again, I, I hope that we've got that point well established in everybody's mind. Uh, it's, it's an important point to stress. But now, let's go to, the, to what we really intend to talk about here in our study tonight, and that's the idea that even though we all agree on this point, I hope everybody understands we agree. No earning salvation. We've said that enough tonight, surely, to get the point across. What, what, might, what would be an indication, though, Jacob, that although we say that, we might think otherwise? There may be certain attitudes that we have or certain actions that are present in our life. For example, to explain the concept to you tonight, what we're talking about, and this maybe get your ideas uh, generated in your head as well. Maybe one way that we demonstrate that while we may claim to believe that we don't think we can earn our salvation, we actually do think that we can by this attitude. Maybe we compare ourselves with what others are doing. Dad, you know how this works. You, you maybe you you look at other people in the church and you say, "Well, I'm doing more than him. Yeah. I'm doing more than him. Therefore, God must be pleased with me because I'm doing a lot." Yeah, I think that's the way it goes. In, in other words, uh, I can look around maybe and see some Christians who are not very active, and and I, although I may not be tremendously active myself, by comparing to them, I can sort of justify myself. Well. I'm certainly doing more than they are. God's got to be happy with me. Therefore, that's enough. That's good enough. I mean, if it, you know, and so we we get busy looking around at other people and then sort of making a comparison. Well, what's what's that? What's that comparison based on? On works, right? right? How much work am I doing compared to some other person? And therefore, I, although I may not agree, agree with someone who claims a merit-based salvation, I might still be acting that way in this comparison mode. The important verse there is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, where it says, We dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Paul said it's not a wise endeavor to try and get a handle on how you're doing by comparing yourself to other people. We know there's a true standard, and that true standard is John chapter 12, verse 48. Jesus said, The words that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. So we know that... The, the standard of our judgment will not be what others have done in our comparison to them, but by what Jesus himself said. Um, but but I, when go we ahead. go to the point of comparing our actions with what other people are doing, maybe I look at uh, someone and well, he cusses all the time or he uh, he's very worldly, she's very worldly, and I'm not doing those things, therefore I must be pleasing to God. I'm I'm measuring up my works, and I'm saying, well, my works come across a certain threshold here where God's got to save me. And I, as long as it's a, some level above somebody else, maybe, then I'm going to be okay. Maybe what I try to do is sort of strike an average. You know, look around the congregation that I'm a member of, and if I'm in the, above the upper 50% of active workers, yeah. I think I'm good enough. Yeah. And that's, that is actually thinking that we are meriting salvation. And that, that is a, an example of what we're talking about. You might be in the mode of thinking you can earn your salvation if you try to justify yourself by comparing to others. I've made the point, Jacob, that in this business of comparing, 
everybody can find somebody that they're better than. You know what I mean? Name, name the, the thing that you're thinking about, whether it's uh, giving or uh, whether it's uh, talking to other people about the gospel, you know, sort of doing personal work, or whether it's attending the services. You know, everybody can find, almost everybody, I suppose there are a few very worst people, but almost everybody can find that they're doing someone that they're doing better than. And if that's all it takes, is you got to find someone that you're better than, then, you know, there's no almost no end to that. Almost everybody can accomplish that. All right. Let's go to the phones and welcome Anthony to the program. Anthony, welcome to the virtual Bible study. Hey, how you doing, guys? Good. Well, Anthony, where are you calling from tonight? I'm calling from Charlotte, North Carolina. All right. Uh, Great to hear from you, Anthony. Glad you found us on the first Bible study. We were having some problems, some technical problems earlier. We were late getting on the air, but we're glad that you hung with us and got uh, got in. Yeah. Um, what I wanted to first say was is that I mean, I agree with everything that you're saying. Is um, my point is, is is getting back to I'll get back to the point that you just made, but back to you know just basically Acts four and twelve. We're not saved underneath any other name but Jesus. And we know that we have to go through, you know, certain conditions, like you said, in order to, you know, become a part of the church, added, baptized into the church. You know, we're baptized, Acts 2.38, for the remission of our sins. And, you know, we're added into the church, you know. That faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. That faith, everything that we see, you know, when we come into the church and we're, we're saved, we still have to meet certain conditions. And it's truly never earned, as we know. It's a gift of God. Hey, that's, I think you're exactly I, right, Anthony. Think, if, if, we could, if we could just add up enough good works to save ourselves, we wouldn't even need Jesus, right? <laughs> exactly. But, you know, it, it really doesn't work like that. You know, you, the, the fact is, is that God came down, came down from heaven. And I, I can't even imagine that. But Philippians 2, 7 tells us, as a bond, you know, he's a bond servant to us, made no reputation. He loved us first. If we love him, we know we, we keep his commandments. We do that. And it's the same thing with our brethren in, in the church. We're going to encourage our brethren. We're going to be there for our brethren. Instead of sitting there, you know, saying, oh, well, you know what? Um, I do this better than you. Well, I go visit the, the orphans, and I go do this. Well, how about you come join me? How about we come together? How about we do something together? How about we encourage each other? Because that's what we're here for. We bear one another's burdens. We go through that together as brethren. We don't discourage people. We don't point things out. Those humble will be lifted up. That's you know, right. those who aren't humble, they will, they will be humble. And that would, God. and that so, would even, and that's just really key because I see that can very well happen in the church. And I think you're right, Anthony. You used, you, see it. you used an important word there when you talked about the humility. You know, the person who thinks he could earn or merit his salvation would be desperately lacking in one of the key attributes that Jesus said we need to possess, and that of humility. And, and also, uh, the person who had that attitude would also think that his brethren would have to earn his love, right? That, you know, you, you know, I'm only going to love my brethren if they're perfect and if they're doing everything exactly right and they don't do anything towards me that I don't dislike. Exactly. Well, that's conditional love. God calls us for unconditional love. All right. Hey, Anthony, great thoughts in Charlotte, North Carolina tonight. How did you find, about, how did you find out about us there in Charlotte, Anthony? Uh, actually, I was just online and... Uh, Came across it, and I saw that you had a virtual one on there, and I started listening to it at work, and uh, it's always good to have, uh, you know, grace come in your ears. You know, speak of, you speak things on your mouth, and you want to edify others, and uh, you want things in your ears to edify your ears, too. So I appreciate what y'all do. All right. I, sure I, think we got, I think we've got some common friends over there in Charlotte, Anthony. You tell them I said hello. I will, and I'll definitely be listening. Uh, I'll try to get some more people from uh, my end to, Listening right. on you too, okay? Thanks, Thanks, Anthony. Thanks, Give Anthony. us a call another time if you can. No problem. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye. All right. The line is open now. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. Good to hear from Anthony tonight. Uh, but, yeah, like we said, uh, if we are looking to others and comparing ourselves to them and saying, determining whether or not we're pleasing to God, we are comparing ourselves based upon our works that would have to have some merit in our mind. And in Luke chapter 17, verse 10, Jesus said, so likewise ye, when you shall have done all those things which are commanded, you say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty to do. I shouldn't look at my works, compare them to others, and say, well, God's got to save me because of all the good things I've done. I've done more than everybody else. No, I've done my duty. If you were the very top guy, if you were the top performer, if if you'd done more than anybody else, 
You and, and you still couldn't justify yourself based on a comparison to them and say, therefore, I have to be saved. All right. All right. So that lays out the, that that first example lays out the idea that we want to kind of develop a little bit more. Although I believe everyone listening tonight is going to agree with us that we're not we're not in the merit business or the earning salvation business. What would be? The, I think there's some other things. I think maybe we can bring out some other ideas, and we want to get you. To, we want to challenge your thinking. What would be the other, some other suggestions uh, of of evidence of this wrong thinking in people's lives? We're going to take a break of this week's bullet point, and when we get back from the other side of the break, we look forward to hearing from you. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. From time to time, as we listen to sermons or attend Bible classes, something will be said with which we disagree. What should we do when this happens? First, be sure that you properly understood what was said. It might be that you simply did not hear what the other person was saying. Changing a single word can sometimes drastically alter the meaning of a sentence. Also, expressions taken out of context can lead to conclusions that were never intended. Take notes. Re-listen to the sermon on tape. Study the scriptures that were referenced in the lesson. Many potential problems will be resolved in this way. Additionally, give the benefit of doubt to your brother who's doing the teaching. Love actually demands this, according to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Do not automatically assume the worst. If questions linger, it's best to go directly to the one who has done the teaching. Too often we complain or criticize to others, but never go to the one who supposedly made the error. This is simply not right. Wait for a good opportunity, and by the way, right after the lesson, in front of other people is usually not the best time, or why not set up an appointment? Calmly discuss your concerns with the man face-to-face. If we do this, the vast majority of misunderstandings will be quickly settled. Finally, in the few cases where the matter is not remedied by these initial steps, it will be necessary to press the matter further. If error has been taught, we cannot remain quiet. We must oppose and expose false teaching. Galatians chapter 2, verse 5, and verses 11 through 13. But even in this type of situation, we should be careful to conduct ourselves in a way that will make it easy for the erring brother to acknowledge his mistake and make correction. 2 Timothy 2, verses 25 and 26. Disagreements are certain to arise. Let's be sure we handle all such situations properly as we endeavor to, quote, keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Ephesians 4, verse 3. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Steve Novorak, reminding you to listen to the virtual Bible study every Thursday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. Welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We're glad you're a part of it, and we look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We're talking about earning our salvation. We don't believe that we can. But certain attitudes that we have may display the fact that we do, in the back of our minds maybe, think that we are earning our salvation. Real quickly, to catch up on an email from Randy in uh, Swartz Creek, Michigan. Randy, uh, glad you're listening tonight. Oh, Swartz Creek. Yeah, we've heard from Randy in the past. Glad you've picked us up again tonight, Randy. He says, I believe that James will help us all understand faith and works. And then he references James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Uh, I won't take time to read all of that. But I think that is a great text. And, of course, that's the text that, that includes that one verse that we mentioned earlier, verse uh, James 2.24. You see then how that by works a man is justified, not by faith only. It's not just by believing, but it's believing coupled with works of obedience. Yes. That is, the, that is a great and classic text, Randy. Thanks for sending that in. And we don't want anyone to think that we don't believe that we must be obedient. Uh, part of that obedience includes our baptism. We believe that we must be obedient, but we're not earning our salvation. Scriptures are very clear to, of, of that. We're not earning. We don't deserve. We don't merit our salvation. It is the gift of God. Exactly right. All right. So, here, okay, we talked about one example of how somebody might even subconsciously maybe imagine that they are adding up works to get to heaven. Here's another example, Jacob. Uh those who are very concerned that other people see what they're doing. Right. You ever been around? I know you have been. I have been around people in the church who seem like they can't do anything without sort of tooting their own horn. They want to make sure people are aware of everything that they've done. Well, yeah. why? What would be the reason for that? Other than you think that there's there's something to be gained, some something to be received by or earned by doing those things. Right. You think you're doing something special. I don't want people to see me when I'm just doing 
my normal everyday things, right? I don't want people to see me when I'm brushing my teeth. I don't brag about a brush my teeth today. I don't brag about the fact that I uh, got my shoes on. You know, that, you're just doing normal stuff. But if I do something extraordinary, if I do something I think that is meritorious, then I want people to see it. Yeah. People in Jesus' day had this attitude and this problem. The Pharisees had the problem in Matthew chapter 6, beginning of verse 1. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when you uh, do your alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have the glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, when thou shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which is in secret and shall reward thee openly. Yeah. That's that's a that's a great passage that that was condemnable in the Pharisees. Obviously, Jesus was repulsed by that attitude, saying, "Hey, look at me! Look what I've done!" Why would we do that, other than we think that there's some merit in that? Um, Eric in Fayetteville, Tennessee, says the parable of the Pharisee and the publican shows that someone what someone is like when they believe they have earned salvation. The Pharisee's prayer, Luke eighteen eleven, reveals a proud heart that is ignorant of his own shortcomings and condescending toward those around him. And again, there's the Pharisee in that in that parable in Luke 18, beginning verse 11, the, the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. He he wanted to draw attention to what he'd done. He, he, he felt that he, had, he even needed to remind God right. of all these things that he had done. He thinks maybe he's got, he's got something here that yeah. merits something, and uh, if we think we're doing something that's meritorious then we'll want others to see it. And certainly if we're wanting people to see us, perhaps we believe we're earning our salvation. Chris in uh, Atlanta said some people like to remind others in public classes or conversations of all that they have done or what all they have triumphed over. I feel this may indicate their insecurity or need for acceptance. Consequently, they may be trying to earn their salvation. Sometimes this can lead people to accepting sin in their life by saying, well, I may struggle with this, but I've done this and this and this. Uh, they're in danger of being like those spoken of in Matthew chapter 7, 22 and 23. Who, again, Jesus mentioned some others who were sort of enumerating their good work. Look at all that I've overcome, as Chris mentions here. Boy, I tell you what, I used to really do this, and boy, I tell you, it was so hard to overcome it, but I did it. And, and uh, I need to be praised because I've done something meritorious. You've done yeah. your duty. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, certainly should be something you want others to see. Uh, we mentioned earlier, Jacob, Luke seventeen ten, when you've done all those things which are commanded you, say we are unprofitable servants we've done that which was our duty to do um you know and i heard you guys making this illustration on on uh last week's discussion you heard it nobody else nobody else did but i heard you talking about this the idea that someone might you know when you go to work Mm -hmm. and when you just do that that you're expected to do do you try to draw attention to yourself hey look at me i showed up for work today yeah you don't do that. Yeah, I uh, came back from lunch. Yeah. Hey, look at me. I'm back from coffee break. Hey, hey, look at me. It's it's my job to sharpen the pencils, and I sharpened the pencils. You know, you don't you don't do that at work because you know that's what's expected of you. You don't think you've done anything above and beyond the call of duty. Uh, you wouldn't do that. In fact, you'd be considered a, a, a some kind of freakish oddball yeah. if you did. And yet, some people in the church want to do that. They they want roles that will give them sort of public recognition. Uh, I knew a guy once, Jacob, that uh, he felt he was a very qualified teacher, and he wanted to teach the adult Bible class in the church. Well, they said, well, we don't need that. He was told by the, by the elders of that congregation, we don't need that right now, but what we do need is somebody to teach the junior high class. And he refused to do it. wouldn't do it uh, because he wanted that position that would put him in the public eye and get him some recognition and so you know when we're very interested that other people recognize us and all the good that we're getting done then we've got a problem of maybe thinking we earned our salvation we're doing something special what do you think 877-381-4567 questions at collegeu.com when i visit the sick uh when i uh try to teach my neighbor about the gospel I'm not doing anything special that should require me to want others to see it i'm not doing anything that's meritorious i'm doing my duty and I shouldn't want others to see that uh, if I don't believe that I can somehow earn my salvation. Exactly right. 
Uh, I've completely lost track of time, Jacob. Well, we've got about a few more minutes to go before we get to our next break. Okay. Uh, we've got about uh, we're about 40 minutes into the program now. So we're those listening uh, to us uh, in the archive. We're uh, we're way out of time here because we uh, we had all kinds of technical problems. We started about 25 minutes past the hour for your information. Okay. All right. Great. Uh, so our challenge to you is to think about the fact of what some thoughts and actions might be that would show this idea, mistaken idea of earning salvation. Uh, here's another one, Jacob. People who make up their own rules may imagine that they can earn their salvation. Well, by default, they would be, wouldn't they? Exactly right. Uh, because, because they're not following God's rules. No, so I, I'm going to devise some works of righteousness. I'll make the rules. I'll lay out the parameters. And I'll say, okay, if you do this, if you fast a certain number of times, or maybe you say a certain prayer uh, every day, or you, uh, you do cert- some certain action, then if you'll do that, then God will save you. I'm making up the rules, and therefore I'm thinking, well, if I do this, then God will have to give me salvation. Yeah, uh, there's a good passage along that line that suggests that problem. Romans chapter 10, verse 3, speaking of the Jews of his day, Paul said, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Notice, they were establishing their own rules of righteousness. They wouldn't submit to God's, and they wouldn't do what God wanted them to do, but they had figured out a set of rules that they, uh, for themselves that they imagined could get the job done. And it wasn't going to cut it, because you can't earn your salvation. And they may have all been good things, but if, if it's not God's rules, then it's then you're, you're trying to earn your salvation. Exactly right. Yeah, and people are doing that today, though. Not yeah. just the, the Jews of old time. People are doing it today. People are binding their own opinions on other people. Yeah, I think this is a big problem. I, I, I see evidence of it lots of times in the Lord's Church where people have a personal opinion or conviction, which there's nothing wrong with having personal opinions and convictions. The Bible actually tells us to honor those in ourselves and in others. Uh, Romans 14, I think, is a classic text that says you know, that we should honor the, the personal convictions of others and that we ourselves should never do anything that's a violation of our own conscience. But when I when I elevate my own personal opinion or judgment to the to the level of God's law, and I expect myself to comply with it and others to comply with it also, why would I do that? Other than say, other than trying to establish a system of merit, my own righteousness, by which I might be saved. Right. Exactly. Uh, we do that with our opinions. We do that with maybe some rules that we impose on others that. Uh, we may say you've got to do this in order to be pleasing to God, and we draw that line, and it's it's our own opinion, it's our own teaching, it's not God's. Uh, then what we're doing is we're trying to establish our own righteousness. I think that's exactly right. All right, uh, and, and we got to remember whenever that sort of thinking creeps in, we got to remember the famous statement of Jeremiah. It seems like we so often quote this on the virtual Bible study in Jeremiah chapter ten, verse twenty-three: "O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself; it is not in man that walketh to direct his steps." We you know, we can't do it. We can't. We tell this to maybe some false religionists and to, and to some who are engaged in, in in some doctrinal error, but we need to apply it to ourselves too. We we cannot direct our own steps. That won't get us there. All right, we're going to take our last break and then we'll finish out the hour. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu.com. dot com. For those of you who are staying with us past our normal quitting time, maybe staying up past your bedtime, we appreciate you staying out there. We look forward to hearing from you. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Hi, my name is Zach Coleman, and when I'm listening to the virtual Bible study, I love to hear comments from other listeners. So please join in tonight's discussion by sending an email or by making a phone call. The address is questions at collegeview.com, and the phone number is toll-free, 877-381-4567. 
And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3.17. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We're glad you're a part of it. Uh, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. If you have any questions about things you've heard on this program or other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call or send us an email anytime. We're talking about our salvation tonight on the program. We do not believe that we can earn our salvation, yet there are certain attitudes that may betray the fact that we may secretly believe that. We're going to go to the phones, and we're going to welcome Eric from Fayetteville to the program. Eric, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Hey, Jacob. How's it going? Good. Hey, hey, Eric. You staying up past your bedtime tonight, buddy? Hey, listen, guys. I, I got home from a uh, soccer practice, and I thought, oh, man, I'm only going to catch half of this, and it came on at 8.30. I really appreciate you. Uh, waiting for me to get on to uh, That's what to we were doing. You can, that's right. That's Eric. That's what it was. I'm we glad somebody's waiting. happy about it. <laughs> yeah, we were just waiting for you. Hey, I thought about. I'm. I'm, I'm sort of. I'm following the. The. Uh, you know the the train of thought that you had there on on uh, you know things that would be telling for someone who thought they were earning salvation and, and maybe you're going to mention this one, but another one came to me, and that is that if we have that attitude, then we will probably be, also be like the Pharisees. And focus on some very visible, um, detail type things, but miss out on what it really means to follow God. And you know, Jesus talks about how they tithe mint and dill and cumin, and those things were important. That's in Matthew twenty-three, twenty-three. And, uh, but he said they left out the weightier matters of the law and uh, justice and mercy and faithfulness. And I think that's that's probably also going to be true for anyone. If we feel like we're going to earn our salvation, we're probably going to pick some things that are visible, that are measurable. Measurable, exactly right, and and focus on only those and really miss out on the heart of it. Yeah, that's a great point, uh, Eric. And I, I do like that verse you mentioned, Matthew twenty three twenty three. They tithe of mint and anise and cumin, but have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. You know, the, the the picture that we get there, Jesus was saying these Pharisees were so meticulous in in their tithing. We know that the Jews of the Old Testament era were expected to give a tenth or a tithe of all their harvest. And they were so meticulous about that that the harvest of their garden herbs, and you might imagine that a, a whole year's harvest of some of those herbs would have been just a handful. Right. Uh, and yet, the, oh, they would divide that up in ten parts and give ten parts to the Lord, or one-tenth or one part of the ten to the Lord. Jesus said, Jesus didn't say, he did not say, that's foolishness. Stop worrying about the details. He didn't condemn them for paying attention to the details, but he said, your your concentration on those things is so so great, and you've omitted to concentrate any concentration on things that are actually much more difficult to achieve. And he mentions uh, judgment, mercy, and faith. Uh, and so I think you're right, Eric. Uh, uh, this this self righteous individual, the one who thinks he might earn his salvation, is going to pay close attention to the details, but he's not going to have his heart anywhere close to being right. Yeah, today's parallel maybe Eric, the person who would wouldn't think about missing services, uh, worship services, but uh, then in their own personal life, they you know let just things run wild. Right, and they, they maybe approach it like a checkbox. You know, I, I'm going to define this certain criteria and then make sure if I do that, then I've earned salvation. So I'll make sure I, you know, I check all the boxes every week, and that's and and uh, that's uh, that's obviously off the point. And I'm not I'm not interested in in other areas that may not be on my checklist. Mm-hmm, right, right, exactly right. Hang on the line with us, there, Eric. We got a couple other ideas we wanted to to throw out there, and you, we we, we want to get your input on these too. Somebody who here's another area in which somebody might think they're earning salvation, and that's the person who thinks he's done enough already. In other words, here I am, and I'm near retirement age. I've been a Christian now. I've been a Christian for 50 years, and man, when you think about all the assemblies I've attended, when you think of all the the times I've read my Bible, all the Bible classes I've attended, all the prayers I've prayed, I'm just sort of going to sit back and take it easy now because. Uh, I really think I've probably done enough already. Yeah, I've I've known people like that. I think the the elderly maybe at times, you know, they 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 I'm done teaching Bible classes. I'll leave that to someone else. Yeah. Or I'm done doing this. Or let let other people do that. Yeah, exactly right. Now there may be we understand there right. may be some right. limitations on right. elderly people, right. but whether you're young or old, you have not done a, enough yet. And any any suggestion that you have done enough to and you can kind of stop working or ease up or put it on cruise control is just wrong. And younger people would do that as well, Eric. Maybe someone who's uh, really had a rough past and they've worked hard to, 
uh, to uh, correct things in their lives. Maybe they get to a point where they're just tired and they want to let up a little bit. Right. Yeah, and, and I was actually I was trying to find a verse here while you were, while you mentioned that um, uh, there there's a great passage and I'm just not uh, able to put my finger on it right now where um, Caleb when they enter into the uh, promised land he goes over and reminds Joshua that there had been a promise made to him and it said he was 85 years old at the time yeah. but um, that he was still his faith was still strong and he wanted to go you know and he he wasn't giving up and he wasn't quitting but he he realized there was still work to do and. I agree with your point that that um, you know there's no um, retirement age basically where we just kick back and say we'll let the young people take care of it and uh, or f- conversely if we're young we shouldn't say well we'll let all the the seasoned veterans carry the load and we're just going to ride along everybody uh, you know has to be doing their part. Yeah, the passage I think you're thinking of and it's a great one, uh, Eric, is in Joshua 14. Uh, beginning about uh, verse 10 or so, Caleb, you know, says. Uh, I'm ready to go to work, uh, he, and he and you figure that he was, you know, at least 20 years older, and probably significantly more than I think. Maybe we can probably even say it, it says he was 85 there, but we know that everybody 20 years and older had died in the wilderness wanderings except Caleb and Joshua. So I mean, he's he's years and years older than anybody else around, and yet he's still saying, "I'm not quitting." Give me this mountain, I'm going to go conquer it. You know, Paul, right. did, Paul didn't reach a retirement age in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, beginning, Brethren, I count my, not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind it, and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul hadn't reached a point I'm, where he said, I've done enough. I want to tell you, if the Apostle Paul did not feel like he had his ticket punched and could ease up, if he didn't feel that way, remember, in the book of Philippians, he's writing from a Roman prison. Mm-hmm. He's been so he's been through all the missionary journeys. He's been through all the persecution. He's not earning his salvation when he does this, and and he, and he now has been suffering an unjust pers- uh, unjust imprisonment for over two years, and yet he's still saying, "I I have not yet attained. I'm still pressing for the mark." If if Paul didn't think that he could ease up and done enough already, if then nobody. Has ever done enough already? Of course, we know that's a fact. We know that's the truth. Absolutely. Um, and we also read about uh, this a concept in Hebrews chapter four, beginning verse nine, talking about the Sabbath day in which God create, finished His work of creating the world. And then in verse nine of Hebrews chapter four, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God, for he that is entered into this re- His rest, he has also ceased from His own works as God did from His. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. We're still in our work week, if you will, while we're alive. We're not on that seventh day of Sabbath rest until after our death, and therefore we need to be working. Yeah. You know, the guy uh, who lays on the couch all day, uh, and then finally in the evening his wife cooks a good meal, and he gets up and eats the meal, and he says, man, i got to go get, i gotta, I got to have some rest. Yeah. And, and his wife would be rightful to ask him, what do you need to rest for? You haven't been doing anything. Yeah. You know, the rest comes after labor, and so we need to be laboring now for a rest that will come later, not now. Because we haven't earned our salvation, we won't earn our salvation. But those who would sit back and rest on their laurels, so to speak, uh, may believe, Eric, uh, that they could uh, earn their salvation. Right. All right. Yeah, I, I was thinking of another example. You know, the the, uh, the, uh, the laborers that were upset, you know, because the people that came in at the latest hour... Oh, you... You, um, you're you thinking know, the same they, way. We had that. We had that next point to make too. Get, you're segueing us, Eric. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah, you you finish the thought, though. We'll see if you're going the right in the same place. <laughs> well, you, you guys have probably thought it out better than I have. Just just off the top of my head here, but you know they begrudged. Uh, you know they looked around and said, "Look what I've done." And I've, I, you know, somebody else hasn't worked as hard as I have. They haven't been around. They haven't, you know, um, been a Christian as long as I have, or accomplished what I have. And, and that's that's obviously also a symptom of, of feeling like we've earned something. Well, that's yeah. true. Uh, Luke 18 is is the parable of the uh, uh, no excuse me I've got the wrong chapter uh, I thought I had that there Jacob you got the chapter there. I, I don't uh, Matthew 20 uh, I think if someone in the chat room has uh, has commented is it Matthew 20 maybe it is I uh, thought I had it there but I didn't um, that's it yeah okay yeah, yeah, Matthew it. 20 yeah. okay uh, uh, the, 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 here you, you thank you in the, the chat room there for that you remember the the, uh, the the master of the house went out and he hired laborers at the start of the day. And then at various intervals throughout the day, he went out and hired more laborers. And finally, the last hour of work of the day, the 11th hour, he hired more. Well, when they came to receive the pay, 
He gave them all the same. And yeah. the ones who had been hired earlier in the day said, wait a minute, that's not fair. Well, you know, and, and the master said, listen, you got what you got what I promised you. What's it to you if someone else, what, what I give somebody else, basically. And uh, I do think that that parable represents a, a, an attitude. Again, let's talk about somebody who's been a Christian, obeyed the gospel very early on in life, maybe just as soon as they reached the age of accountability, they were baptized, became a Christian, and even have served very faithfully for many, many, many years. And then you get the case of a man, and I've known cases like this. Uh, I, I remember one case specifically where there was this man who was bab- He had terminal brain cancer. He was baptized. It took two of us to baptize him. He was in very bad health. He he made it to church services one Sunday after that. After his baptism, he was able to make it to church services the next Sunday morning. Almost immediately thereafter, he went into the hospital and never came home again. He died. He, he almost literally was baptized in the last accountable hour of his life. And so somebody said, well, here, look at me. I've been a Christian all my life, and I've been working hard at this. That guy didn't do hardly anything. Yeah. And it's not fair if he gets the same thing I get. You think you're earning salvation if you think that, Eric. If you think the guy who bases got the gospel on his deathbed cheated, you think that you can earn salvation by default? Ooh, that's right. Jesus, uh, in, in that parable in Matthew chapter 20, uh, the, the master of the house said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not Talking to the people who were complaining because they'd worked longer. He said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that as thine and go thy way. I will give unto this last even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? And so uh, he rebuked those who, who thought that way. Uh, and I believe he will rebuke us if, if if we somehow begrudge that person who obeyed late in life. Uh, now, the, just a little bit of a caveat on that. We're not suggesting that a person should purposefully plan that. No. You, you know, you're, you're you're cheating yourself when you do that. Yeah, because the the problem with a person who thinks I'm going to wait till the last minute. They don't realize that, that uh, first of all, it's wrong attitude toward God, and it's also uh, preventing them from enjoying the things that God has planned for us, the abundant life that he wants us to enjoy now. And also, we everything we, uh, you know, our experience tells us that um, whatever bit of motivation you're feeling at the moment, it will wane. It will only go away the longer you wait, too. Exactly right. Okay. All right, uh, so a good comments here. Uh, in the chat room, uh, we are all in it for one thing. I uh, don't know the listener here. I think it may be Anthony from South Carolina. We're all in it for one thing, uh, salvation and taking people with us. That's what we signed up for and want for others. Why should we worry when other people get there? We want them to be there with us as well. We're not earning our salvation. We're not uh, We're not going to merit it. And so if others are there to join it, uh, they'll be enjoying the grace of uh, God as well. So appreciate uh, those comments. All right, well, Eric, thanks for calling in tonight, buddy. All right, thanks. Keep up the good work, guys. All, All right. right. You you were tardy, and you, you came out okay tonight. But it won't happen every week, so be back uh, earlier next week. All right, I will. Oh, thanks, Eric. All right, 877-381-4567 is the number. If you want to call later on and talk about anything you heard on the program tonight, we're out of time tonight. We're out of time. By the way, Eric Eric preaches for the church in Fayetteville, Tennessee. Eric's going to be at College View in our gospel meeting. Might start announcing the dates of that now, November 14th through 19th. Uh, is our gospel meeting here at College View. Mark that down on your calendar and plan to attend if you're anywhere nearby in the Middle East. And Eric area. will be here only for one night. So Thursday we'll... night. And we're going to make him be on the virtual Bible okay. study that night, All too. Right. Okay, good. Uh, well, Dad, uh, we finally got through the program. A late start, but uh, hopefully uh, on the podcast, at least, it sounds okay. And you don't you won't know when we started or when we finished on the podcast. That, that's right. So uh, hopefully uh, those who listen in the archives or those who get the podcast uh, will be able to get some benefit from our study tonight. It took us... Over two weeks trying to get a little something out there, but we hope it will be helpful. We're going to try to get all these technical issues ironed out. I know people are tired of hearing us talk about it. We're tired of, of dealing with it. We're going to bring a can of Raid, and we're killing all the bugs. There, we'll try. All right. Well, Dad, uh, thank you for your time. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you for being out there. Thank you for those who participated via email, over the phone, and in the chat room tonight. We appreciate your participation. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life. Study His inspired word in the Bible and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.